Would you please take your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Samuel? The book of 1 Samuel. I want to talk to you today about a mother's journey. Now, I'm going to be speaking by proxy today through the words of God. I've not been a mother, and I do not understand, but I would say that uh, as many of us here, uh, you could agree with me uh, that you've had a mother. Most of us here have had a mother, or we know people who've have had mothers, right? And, 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 you know, the truth is, you may be sitting here today blessing God and thanking God for your mother, and no matter who your mother was, you should do that. But you may be sitting here today having negative feelings or some unseen weight in your heart as a result of your mother. I don't know what your circumstance would be. Personally, I thank God for my mother, and it's an honor to have her here with us this morning in her new dress, and uh, what a blessing. I don't have... I don't have a major burden and, and, and darkness that creeps into my soul when I think about my mother. I have great blessing and joy. You may not be that way, though. I don't know. I, I'm not going to tell you today how to be the perfect mother. I don't believe that there is such a person. I think there are human beings who, to a greater or lesser degree do the best that they can do. And in many cases, I would say probably in most cases, she knocks it out of the park. But there are some instances in which a mother forsakes those for whom she was created. She forsakes her, desire, her burden that God has given her. She turns from it. I don't know where that is in your heart and mind, but I, I would ask for you this morning to perhaps set some of those things to the side. And modern, the modern world tells us that we really need to blame other people. And we need to dig around in the cellar, under the cellar, and find the bones of our life that have been buried there. And that will help us to heal. And, and there's probably some truth in that, understanding where we come from and all of that. But there's a danger in constantly stressing about something that you can do nothing about. There's a danger in that. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about one mother's journey, and maybe you'll find in this a place to resonate, maybe an echo of your own journey, or perhaps it will help inform you on the journey where you find yourself today. We have here in 1 Samuel, it starts with a man named Elkanah, and he had two wives in verse 2. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had, no, had children, but Hannah had no children. So you can see from the opening scene that there's a problem. Number one, the man had two wives. When you see in the Old Testament a man with two or three wives or more, God allowed people to do that just like God allows us to sin without breaking our heads. God allowed them to do that. It was not his idea. He did not bless them in that direction. 
But they took wives of all which they chose. It was never God's idea for more than one wife. It was, it, God's plan was one man and one woman for a lifetime. And it's still God's plan. But life. Tr- t- technically, not life, people. Right? Why would anyone ever get divorced? Well, the first reason is they're both humans. That's the number one reason. And as a result of that, pain, struggle, tragedy enters in, heartache. We see here there was another level of problems. One of the women had children. The other woman did not have children. I'm going to take you on this journey, and it's made up of four parts. One is, the first is desire. The second is the fire. Third is blessing. And the final phase is investment. So we'll start here with desire. Every woman has a desire. They say the difference between a man and a woman is this. A man just wants to chill. He just wants to relax. He wants something uh, to be done. He wants all things to be done and finished and completed so he can relax. And it is interesting that God puts, <laughs> gives the man an agenda in which he cannot just live his life. If he's going to do what God wants him to do, he can't just relax. He has to work. He has to pick up the responsibilities, and he has to do something, even though all he wants to do is relax. They say that that's a man, but a woman, all she wants is for things to be the way she imagines that they could be or should be in her mind. That's all she wants. And the challenge, of course, is the man wants to crash, and he needs he wants to crash, but he is very needed to accomplish that dream that is in the mind of the woman. And so you can see how they're at odds. She just wants things to be done a certain way. He just doesn't want to do anything. <laughs> now, I understand there are exceptions to the rule. There's, uh, I'm sure there's women who just want to relax and men who want them to work and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it, it is a natural thing for a woman to have a desire. She here, I mean, who, I never known a man that had a hope chest. <laughs> Today, who knows? Who knows? You know, and uh, when I was a kid, I have I have six older sisters, two younger. We used to laugh and tease them mercilessly. I admit, yes, but we used to laugh and we'd say, "Well, you could take that and put that in your hopeless chest." (laughs) (laughs) Right? And they got even. Don't worry, they got even. But uh, a woman has these desires, these plans. She, you know, it wasn't men that came up with Pinterest, as far as using it. Uh, Now, men use it all the time now, but I'm sure men were involved in the development. Okay, okay. I'm talking about women. The idea of a board where you can pin your hopes and dreams and plan everything in your life. That's that's a woman, right? And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible tells us that uh, we are, God has given us the desires or wants to give us the desires of our heart. But the problem is hope deferred maketh the heart sick. So the desire phase is one in which a woman has something that she wants, whether it's a new house, whether it's a new car, whether it's new children or a new husband. She has this dream that she'd like to see accomplished. And, and, and it, is, it is 
In Hannah's life, it is that she wants a child, specifically she wants a son. The Bible tells us that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Deferred means to be put off, to be delayed. Because of the fact that she did not have what she wanted, and she kept on not having what she wanted for a long time, her heart was sick. The desire. Where is your heart this morning? Do you have something that is unfulfilled? That's what, that, that was Hannah's testimony. The second phase is the fire. Because Hannah had no children in verse 2, and she wanted children, but just, just the fact that she couldn't have what she wants was not enough. It wasn't enough that she had to wait and wait and wait and wait. She had to go through the fire as well. She had some enemies. You can see in verse number 6, her adversary. Her adversary. Her enemy was... In verse 6, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. It's important to keep in mind that God is involved with conception and with delivery. Very important to keep that in mind. People say that, that we think as humans that we're totally responsible for that. And the problem is, as I've said recently, no one knows really how to make a human. We're not really the ones that make humans. Are you following what I'm saying? They try to develop just the very basic skin that we have, and they can't develop it. It was something called Corfam, and it was laughable. Everybody knows what skin feels like. We've known since the time we were born, what skin feels like. But man can't make even skin, let alone a full human. So it's important to keep in mind that God's involved in that. If you have a desire for a child, and maybe it's something that you would say, I I want that more than any, I want a child more than anything. Just keep in mind that God is involved in that. And, And you say, well, why doesn't God give me what I want? I don't know. I don't know anyone who does know. Is, is it possible that, that, that God wants something else for you? I don't know. I, I'm not here to tell you. I don't have the answer. I just know this. If you take God out of the equation, you're in a very dangerous spot as a believer. And then the other side is if you say, if, if it's, it's all up to God and God hasn't done, done something for me, you've got to be very careful of that as well. God can do it, but he won't. Be careful that you don't end up where Hannah was. And she, she was having some difficulty here. But it was, it's not just the fact that her own heart had this desire, could not be fulfilled. Secondly, she had, on top of that, she had an adversary, and the adversary provoked her sore. Who was the adversary? Well, the first thought I have is Penina. The woman that had children would look over and say, well, you don't have any children. 
And I remember my mother talking about when she was a young mother and how there was a lady in the church where they were and how mom couldn't have any children. And the mother, uh, this young lady, I think she had a child already and she was expecting and she would, she would uh, rub her belly and, and she would say, my husband really loves me. And that really, and you can understand, that would bother her a lot. Would bother anyone. But did you notice that it doesn't say that it was Penina in verse number six? It might have been her. It would make sense if it were to some degree. But you also have to keep in mind that we have an adversary, the devil. And, and, and there's, the devil has vested interest in causing you to be bitter with your situation. The devil is, his desire is to make you think you missed the boat. You are not getting what you deserve. The devil wants you to feel that. Ladies, you must be careful that you don't allow the devil to live rent free in your, in your head. Because if he's telling you, why isn't God doing this? Why can't I have this? Sometimes it may not be you having these thoughts. The devil could be throwing thoughts in your mind with his fiery darts saying, God doesn't care. Why does everybody else have that something I don't have? Why can't I have it? You've got to be careful with that, that you don't forget. Don't forget that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's another realm in which you're doing battle. Her adversary. You know what was the result of this? Look at verse number seven. As he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, as he did so, did what? So as she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. She provoked her. Penina and he. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Did you notice that she's going up to the house of the Lord but she's weeping and she's not eating. She, begun, she begins to resent the house of God. The house of the Lord represents a place for her of unfulfilled dreams. Look at verse number nine. The Bible says there, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul. Bitterness of soul. She's living, as it were, a hidden in a hidden prison. This pain that she cannot share, and she can't do anything about it, but she's living in this prison. Even more than that, look at verse number 10. And she was in bitterness of soul, prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. She's vowing a vow. She's praying to God. She's committing this unborn child that is not even conceived yet. She's promising him to the Lord, opening her heart in verse 12. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, 
marked her mouth. Eli is watching her pray. Verse 13. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. So that's where we get the idea of praying internally. Praying in your heart, your thoughts, crying out to God without making a verbal sound. Now you can make a verbal sound if you like, but there's sometimes, if you're like me, I don't even know what to say when I'm praying. I, I, don't, ha- I don't know how to verbalize it. And I fear verbalizing it because it won't accurately reflect what's in my heart. Groanings, the Holy Spirit prays. Groanings which cannot be uttered. That's what she has here. And watch, her voice was not heard. Therefore, what did Eli do? Show compassion? Put his arm around her? Kneel down? Ask his wife to come in and pray with her? No. Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Did you notice here, in this woman's darkest valley, greatest trial, fire, respected people in her life, are coming to her and misjudging her motives. They're attributing to her untruths. Now, Eli was not the sharpest knife spiritually in the drawer. I'm not saying he was stupid. I'm saying spiritually, he let himself go. And he let his family go. He had the position of spiritual leadership, but he did not have the discernment that should come with that position. And it wasn't because he was stupid. It was because he was not humbling himself to the Lord as Hannah was. He was not. Here's a woman who is closer to God in some ways than even the high priest himself. And the high priest comes along and says, Hannah, what's wrong with you? Something's not right. You're not living right. She's crying out to God. He's saying, why are you drunk? You ever have someone misjudge your motives? You ever have someone say to you in a a, a roundabout way, I know why God's not blessing you. I know what there's got to be something in your life that's not right. Do you remember the Bible said that Job was an upright man, one that feared God and shewed evil? A perfect and an upright man. That's what God said about Job. But that's not what his friends said about him. We, we, we need to be careful. I want to implore you, believers, be careful that you don't impugn the motives of God's people. Be careful with that. You don't have to give a judgment. You don't have to say the final word. I don't know about you. I don't like when people misjudge me. When I do wrong... Get off my back. I know I'm wrong. Just give me some space. But what happens when you're not wrong, you haven't done anything wrong, and you're still being judged as if you had? You know, this is one reason why people quit church. They quit church because people will say you're guilty of something that you're not guilty of. You know, sometimes in our analytical minds, in our rush to judgment, I've watched Judge Judy. I can tell what's going on. 
It's obvious to me, right? I mean, I wish Judge, Judge Judy let me maybe, you know, shadow her for a day or so. If she needs a, a spell or what, I'll sit in for her, right? Because I, am, I just see things. This is what people think. I, I've been through a lot. I've been in church all my life. And I'm just telling you, where there's smoke, there's fire. Guys, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Be careful that you don't use your own, well, you know, I came up hard. My parents are just from the hills. Whatever that means. That means they're stubborn and toothless? What does that mean? (laughs) Emphasis on stubborn? (laughs) Right? You don't know everything that's going on in the lives of people around you. I'm not saying you can't see where there's sin involved, but you tell me the sin that Hannah was doing. I'm not saying that people don't do wrong in our culture, and I'm not saying tolerate it all and everything's okay. Do you follow what I'm saying? But if we're not careful, we swing over to the other side where we can call everybody out and we know what everybody's doing wrong, and we say, well, our kids are struggling. Well, here's what's wrong. Well, I know my, my, my husband's having a problem. Well, here's what's wrong in his life. Well, you know, I, I, our pastor, you know, I know what's going on. You don't think it's easy for me to do that? Of course it is. You know why? I'm a human just like you. It's easy for all of us to look over at a brother or sister in Christ and say, they ain't right. There's something that ain't right in their life. And I just, I I think I know what it is. Be careful. You may be calling the situation wrong while feeling superior. What if you're wrong? I can't tell you how many times I've found out, and, and it takes a courageous brother or sister in Christ to say something in my presence against what I'm saying. Have you ever had someone rebuke you for misjudging someone? It's a rare believer that will do that. But I think they do a great service. I remember saying to a, a man uh, one time, we were in a conversation, and I said, oh, this was, I was a, a teenager, and I was, I was very, very quick to judge things, and I understood. It, it just... How I was raised, I had a lot of discernment. I was, I was very wise, right? I was also very uh, ignorant of how stupid I was. And I remember saying this in this, this man's uh, presence. I said, yeah, this is, this is the way it is. A plus B equals C, D, E, F, E, G, H, I, it's done. That's what it is. And he said, he, said, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it is folly and shame unto him. You're not shut my mouth. You know why? It, it said you don't know everything. You don't know everything. You see, when Hannah is bearing this burden, I don't have a child. I like to have a child. I've got uh, I've got spiritual warfare that's going on. I've got a, a this this step wife who is critiquing me and cutting me down and provoking me. And on top of that, when I go to church, nobody understands me. Nobody understands me. But I want you to see, even in the fire, though she had these enemies, she also had some allies. Look at verse number 5. The Bible says, speaking of Elkanah, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. 
her allies in the fire. She had a husband who loved her. Look around and see the people that God has in your life who love you. You see, love is not just that those people give me what I so desire. You know how frustrating it is? Let's say you have a terminal illness and you're struggling with that and you say, God, why? Heal me. Fix this. Move me out of this valley. Bring me into a new place in a large land. Lord, I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to be healthy. And, and you're, you're frustrated. Imagine the people around you who want to help you and can't. They feel powerless. They feel, in some cases, as badly as you do, but it's not even happening to them, and there's nothing they can do about it. You know, Hannah had to recognize that even in this fire, she had a a husband who loved her. Ladies, let's say everything's not perfect in your life. Will you look around and look at somebody next to you who loves you? Yeah, they're an idiot. They don't know how to treat you the way that you would long, long to be treated. But they love you. And what is love? Well, Disney tells us. No, Disney can't define love for us, can they? The Word of God can define it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The Bible says that greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life. What is life made up of? It's made up of time. A person who gives his time for you loves you. They may not know how to say it in the right way. They may not buy the proper kind of perfume. I'll never forget when we were dating, my wife wife and I were dating, I bought her something that wasn't the thing. And I'll I'll never let her forget how irritated I was that it wasn't the thing. But she can't help what she likes, right? I thought she could help what she didn't like, but she can't help what she doesn't like. I gave her this thing. It just it wasn't her thing. She didn't like it. That, you know what that means? Well, I can sit there and I can feel sorry for myself. Well, I just can't, whatever. You know what my wife said? I love the fact that you bought it for me. It was a nice way of saying, I don't like what you bought. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> This is 24 years ago, whatever it was. And I still have bitterness in my heart <laughs> as a result. Listen, you, if somebody loves you, your husband loves you. There's, there's, there's people in this church that love you. You say, they don't love me like they should. They're doing the best they can. With, with, with how much they know you, with their own humanity as it is, they're doing what they can. Could we all do a better job? Yes, we could. We could show more love. We could do our best to learn. And, and listen, if you're the kind of person that, that thinks, I don't know if I love them or not, here's or the proper, the proper way. I don't know if I'm giving them enough love. Here's the best thing to do. Ask. Just ask. Am I loving you the way you need to be loved? Am I giving you what you need? Just ask. If, I mean, that's a tough thing to ask. It's an even tougher thing to hear what they say. But it's important. But on this side of Hannah, just receive it. God's got somebody as an ally in the fire. I want to show you even greater, even greater than this. Look at verse number 10. 
She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord. Then who your ally is in the fire? It's the Lord. The Lord cares. The Lord knows the burden on your heart. And he loves you. Is that not enough? You know, physically speaking, it's not enough, is it? We want something. We've got to have it. But what can you do to get it? How can you make it work? Particularly something that happened in the past. I want something. You know what? My counsel to you this morning is stop trying to fix something that happened in the past. There's nothing you can do about it. It's over with. Let it go. It's hard enough. It's hard enough to fix things in the present where you actually have the ability to change something. Stop fixating. And by the way, ladies, if you're fixated on something that happened in the past and your spouse is trying to help, that's not very nice. Because you're asking someone to do something that cannot be done. God himself is not going to go in the past and change the past. So, so, so when you come to the Lord, you're going to have to come to the present. And you're going to have to say, Lord, here I am again. Your weapons, your allies in the fire are humility and prayer. Humility and prayer. You see, when we get antsy, when we get irritable, our pride level goes up. Why? We compare where we are to where we believe we should be. We compare what we have to what we are convinced we ought to have. The problem with that is, We don't know for sure that we ought to have it until we have it. You can say, oh, God told me, God said, be careful with that. If he didn't write it in his word, be careful with yourself. Why? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You may convince yourself that this is what I must have. Absolutely. When you come to God... You're going to have to humble yourself because God's the one that answers prayer requests, not you. God's the one that is in charge, not you. Humble yourself. I'm not saying resign yourself. Okay, fine, God, I guess I won't have anything. You just don't want me to have it, and that's what I'll worship you through my trial. No, that's not humility. Humility says, God, (laughs) this thing is killing me. This thing, look what she said. She wept sore. She was sobbing in church. She was, she, she, she had all kinds of goop coming out of her eyes and her nose. Why? She didn't care what everybody thought anymore. It had bothered her so much that she had to pour out her soul before God. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you, if you're looking for something from God, have you opened your heart to God? Or have you just complained in your soul? Have you told everyone else about the problem? This is a mother's journey. She has a great desire, and then she has to go through the fire. Yes, even Mothers who, uh, mothers who are currently mothers of children, not just those who are prospective mothers. Yes, they have desires too. Ladies desire more than just children. I don't know what your desire would be this morning, ladies. But watch what she did. She prayed unto the Lord, and then she vowed a vow. She said, Lord, if you give me a son, 
I will give him unto the Lord. She was counting on the fact that she would recognize God's power if. Did you notice the little word if? Now we understand. Faith says when, not if. Faith believes God. Well, I don't know how long she'd been believing God. But I know at this point, she was ready to say if. I'm not telling you what to do, God. I'm saying, God, if you want to do this, this is what I'm going to do. Not dictating, not demanding, asking. Humility and prayer. We move then into the third wonderful phase, which is blessing. She'd been accused falsely, but then watch what happens. 19, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore, it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. This sunshine after the storm, the calm after the wind, her request was answered. There's coming a point, ladies, there's coming a point, gentlemen, in your life, you're going to get past this fire. You're going to move into a place of blessing. And I would just hope that when God blesses you, you could say those blessings are Samuel. What does Samuel mean? It means asked of God. It's not arbitrary. It's not the lottery. What I'm praying for, what I'm receiving today, what I have today, it's what I asked God to do. You see, we could all pray, God, make me a millionaire. And then say, if that happens, then I'll probably do something for God. I'll probably be nice to people. But you can see that, 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 that when Samuel was brought in the life of Hannah, Hannah said, this is what I asked God to do. Right now, it might seem like it's overwhelming. It's, ho- it's a horror movie that you can't get out of. It's a desire that you have, and you can't believe the people who have turned on. You can't believe the, 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 the people that you trusted in who have said that you're not doing right. There must be something. You, you don't understand how everybody doesn't understand you. Well, I want to encourage you. There's coming a place in your life of blessing. God did not bring you to this world to persecute you and to beat you down and to tear your life up. That may be the phase you're in right now. But there is coming a place of blessing. But lastly, I want you to see the last phase. When she received the fulfillment of her desire, it did some things. It changed her. It didn't cause her to be selfish. You see, she said in the beginning, she was concerned because she had no children. Hannah had no children. Well, watch what happens. She said in verse number 26, she said, Oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petitions which I have asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. This last phase that we'll see this morning is 
is investment. It's investment of the blessing she received from the Lord. It wasn't that she finally got what she wanted and she coasted off on the cruise ship into the sunset. Finally reached the pinnacle of her life where she could relax and everything was taken care of. No, that was the phase where she got what she wanted. But she didn't stop there. She took Samuel and she said, I have asked him and received him of God and now I'm giving him back to God. That's a miracle, isn't it? It's like somebody who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that they could have the perfect house. And as soon as they got the perfect house, they said, I'm giving it away. It's a miracle that someone would do that. I would say that's the work of God in her heart. Because her gratitude led her to give back what had been most important to her. You know, Hannah didn't see Samuel but once a year. That's all. When she brought him back to the temple and said, he is God's, he is going to be a servant here, he is going to work here and live here, Hannah said goodbye to what she loved most. Isn't that interesting? You know what that was? It was a change in Hannah. What God wants in you and I most is a change in us. We want the circumstances to change. We want to see the fulfillment. If I could just get that, if that person would just get saved, if I could just get another job, if I could just conquer this health problem, then I would be happy and fulfilled. But you know what happens in that? We fixate on something other than God. When God puts us in the fire, it gives us an opportunity to fixate on Him. While we're pouring out our soul, while we feel helpless and hopeless, we can say, God, I'm looking to you. And Hannah learned a lesson. Because when God gave her that son, she turned around and said, God, thank you for my son. I finally have what I most desired. And then she said, actually, you're what I most desire. I love him. He's a great blessing. I'm giving him to you. Because you're better than my son. You're the one that gave me a son. If you can ever get to the point in your Christian life where you recognize everything you love is a gift from God, not for your benefit, but for your investment. You say, well, I have children. I'd die for my children. I'd, I'd kill someone. And you, sh you should be willing and ready to protect. But are you willing to give them to the Lord? Well, if I can get to that place, I'll find... Well, yeah, maybe God will give you that job that you want so much. Maybe God will give you that boyfriend or girlfriend. But what are you going to do with that person? What are you going to do with that health, with that money? What are you going to do with it? Why would God give something to you that would push you further away from him? You know what God's doing? God's allowing you the privilege of knowing that what you really need more than anything is not that college degree, is not that boyfriend or girlfriend, is not that position of prominence and influence. What you need more than anything in your life is him and him alone. And Hannah realized that. You see, it changed her, but then notice, watch what happened. It changed someone else. 
She's speaking to Eli in verse 28. She says, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Whereas before, Hannah goes to church, and Hannah's praying, and Eli doesn't even know what's going on in her heart. And he says, there's something wrong with that girl. She ain't living right. I can tell you that. No, she was doing her best, and her heart was struggling. And God blessed her. And as a result, when she goes back to church, her joy in God and her investment in her God caused the man who formerly accused her of wrongdoing to say, God, you are a good God. Thank you for blessing this lady. What happened in Hannah's life changed Eli. You know what can do, God can do in your life? He can bring you through this fire to a place of blessing. And if you continue to trust Him and thank Him and open your heart, God can take you and use you to impact other people around you. You think you want that thing and nothing else. But no, 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 no. What you really want is God. And when you really want God, your life will shine as a beacon to other people. When you really want to know Him, and you're really seeking His face and saying, God, no matter what happens, I don't need to be seen as a great Christian. I, don't, I just need you. When you focus on Him and invest in Him, God will use you to affect all the Eli's around. And you notice that she continued to work. She continued to work in verse number 17. She went on home. She was there with her, with her husband all the way down through when God had given him that child. She took the child up to the temple and then she came back. She continued to work. She was a remote worker. She was working at home, praying in support of her son. She was able to continue to impact, even from afar, investment. And instead of a place of bitterness, every year when she went back up to the temple, it became a reminder of God's blessing. You see, Samuel was a prophet in Israel that had the great privilege of anointing David, the king of Israel. The son of David, Messiah, was going to come through, directly through the anointing that was made by Samuel. And Samuel was there to anoint David all because there was a lady who came and asked of God and said, God, I'm asking you. I'm not asking you for myself. I'm asking you for you. Will you receive glory through my life? Though I'm overwhelmed with burdens. God, will you take my life as a mother and help me to raise these children, help me to guide this home, not for my glory, not for the admiration of others around, but for your glory. Because I promise you, God, every child that you give me, every place you give me to live, every position I hold, every relationship I have, I promise you, God, I will give it back to you because it is yours and yours alone. That's Hannah's journey. I don't know where you are in your journey this morning, but my encouragement to you is this. We have a God who can be trusted, a God who can be spoken to, and a God who will answer. But he's a God who is best served 
A God who is best humbled to. He's a person. He's a being. And he loves you. And he's working. On your journey, follow Hannah. Because her footsteps have proven to be trustworthy. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning?